The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. The market records roll on with the S&P and NASDAQ hitting new records as all three major indices look to notch a winning week. Investors gearing up for that key monthly jobs report with expectations all over the map. We preview what to expect from that big report. Shares of Novavax taking a beating this morning after it hits the pause button on its bid for emergency use authorization for its COVID vaccine candidate. Political pressure on Powell, one key Democratic lawmaker expressing his concerns over the central bank's easy monetary policy. And Jamie Dimon's skepticism of crypto, apparently not enough to stop J.P. Morgan from quietly giving its clients access to that sector. It's Friday, August 6th, 2021, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Happy Jobs Friday. I am Dominic Chu in for Brian Sullivan today. And here is how your money and the global markets are setting their day up. Right now, stock futures are slightly, and I mean ever so slightly to the downside, at least for the NASDAQ. It's implied lower by roughly 14 points. The Dow is implied higher by just about three whole points. And the S&P is call it flat right now. All of this very much a holding pattern ahead of that big jobs report. Now, all three major indexes, indices, finishing in the green Thursday with the S&P 500 and NASDAQ closing at record highs. The S&P 500, by the way, notching its 43rd record close of the year. But who's counting at this point? The Nasdaq recording its 27th. The Dow, meanwhile, is less than a half a percent away from its own record high. Turning now to the bond market. Overall, the 10-year Treasury note yield, a key focus on a jobs day, of course. You can see they're holding steady at 1.24%. The benchmark two-year Treasury note yield, just a hair below 21 basis points, or 0.21%. Investors are gearing up for that big monthly jobs report out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. Now, the forecasts for that July report are very wide-ranging. Estimates going from 350,000 added on the low end to 1.2 million on the high side of things. So yes, the, the whole estimate picture very much runs the gamut here. Now to the early trade in Europe, we are seeing a little bit of positivity there. Jumana Versace is standing by in our London newsroom. Happy Friday morning, Jumana. Happy Friday, Dom. As you said, just a little bit of positivity. It's mainly a cautious trading session today for Europe, but capping off a very strong week of gains. Actually, the best week for the stock 600 in the last five months with the major index making new record highs. So very strong week as far as earnings are concerned as well. In terms of the breakdown, FTSE 100 in the UK, you can see treading slightly below the flat line, uh, digesting some of the hawkishness that came out of the Bank of England yesterday. One stock in focus is the London Stock Exchange right at the top of the FTSE, up about four percentage points today. So very strong mover. CAC 40 in France also trading slightly in negative territory. Stellantis has been a key performer on this market, the automaker coming out with very strong results at the beginning of the week, up eight percentage points this week alone. 
German DAX up about 15 basis points, as you can see as well, despite slightly disappointing industrial output numbers for the month of July. Let me take you to the sectors, though, so you can see the breakdown. A lot of the cyclical names are trading on the back foot today. Construction down about a third. Real estate also down about half a percentage point. Travel and leisure has been such a volatile basket in Europe, but also it is experiencing a down day today. Up at the top, we've got insurance. Good day for AXA earnings today. That's leading that basket up 1.1 percentage points. But I want to take you to another stock that we're watching, not in Europe, but in China, Metuan. So this is where it closed, up 1.2 percentage point. But we just got some information in the last half hour or so saying that China's competition watchdog is preparing to slap a fine worth around $1 billion on the Chinese food delivery group, Metuan. This is according to the Wall Street Journal, and an announcement could happen in the coming weeks. So remember, this is where it closed and is not yet reacting to this latest announcement. But Dom, this has been a major theme for markets over the last couple of weeks, and certainly something that investors are going to be focused on over the weekend. Jumana Bersechi, live in London. Thank you very much for that update. Let's get some of your morning's top stories elsewhere. Bertha Coombs is here with those. Good Friday morning, Bertha. Hey, good Friday, Dom. A coalition of influential American business groups are calling on the Biden administration to restart trade talks with China. The groups, which represents interests ranging from framers to microchip companies and the pharmaceutical industry, said in a letter to U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen that they should, quote, take swift action. They specifically cite burdensome tariffs. The groups also called on the Biden administration to work with Chinese officials to make sure they carry out commitments made under the trade agreement with the Trump administration last year. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is delaying a pivotal vote on President Biden's roughly $1 trillion infrastructure plan. This after talks to wrap up negotiations on the legislation fell apart late last night. Senators in both parties spent all day Thursday negotiating a package of amendments that would help the bill get final package. They'll now take up the vote to start ending debate on the legislation Saturday. And shares of Novavax are facing steep losses this morning after the company announced that it will delay the submission of its COVID vaccine to the FDA for emergency use authorization until its fourth quarter. Despite that delay, Novavax says it does plan to submit its vaccine for emergency use with the World Health Organization, which, if approved, would allow it to be distributed globally via vaccine sharing initiative. Those shares down nearly 12 percent here pre-market. All right. Big moves there, Bertha Coombs. Thank you very much for that. Back to the overall markets with the S&P and Nasdaq both hovering at or near record highs with all three major indices on pace for their second positive week out of the last three. For more now, I am joined by Nancy Pryal, co-CEO and senior portfolio manager at Essex Investment Management. Nancy, I mean, I said it before, I've lost track of how many times we've hit record highs here, but it appears as though this market is consolidating. It's kind of shifting sideways, stalling out a little bit. Is it any cause for worry, this notion that the markets aren't seeming to just go up, up and away? Absolutely not. In fact, the opposite. We think that this is a sign of a very healthy market. Consolidations are good. They give the market a chance to grow into its valuation. We started the year with valuations at the high end. Now what we've seen is S&P earnings estimates have come up to over $200 a share. 
while the market is still going up but going up at a slower pace. That means the market multiple has come down to something in the low 20s, a very healthy rate with interest rates where they are. In addition, we've had an extraordinarily good earnings season. Earnings beats are running well over 80%. Revenue beats are running very high as well. And most importantly to us, orders across many industries are very, very strong, which bode incredibly well for continued economic growth as we look out not only the next six months, but into next year as well. So, so Nancy, I, I'm just curious because over the course of the last month, we've seen some more outperformance from key parts of the market that are not considered to be perhaps as economically sensitive. I, I look towards things like utilities. I look towards things perhaps like real estate and, and, and elsewhere in the market. Is it perhaps a little bit worrisome that we are seeing some of those defensive, so-called defensive type sectors take a little bit more of a leadership role? I know that they're small in the market compared to technology still, though. Is it a sign? I don't think so. I think it's a sign that we continue to be in a market that sees rotation among sectors. And as sectors get oversold and out of favor, they then can rotate back into favor. And of course, we've also seen interest rates come down. Um, for a number of factors, some of which is, we believe, a recognition that, in fact, the inflation pressures will be somewhat more transitory than the market had believed a couple months ago. So we think that what is most positive is the continued strength that we're seeing both on the growth as well as on what we like to call the growth with the value side. So not deep value stocks, but good growth stocks at reasonable valuations that can continue to power the broad averages as well as some of the smaller averages higher. I've heard so many portfolio managers talk about GARP, growth at a reasonable price. It seems to be that thing, that buzzword, that acronym that's come back into the kind of lexicon here in financial markets. So what, kind, what kinds of companies are you looking at specifically that you think do provide that kind of growth at a reasonable price? Well, so a lot of what we're looking at to find that is we're looking in places that are a little bit off the beaten track. What I mean by that is we're looking for suppliers into industries that have major growth trends, but that are supplying, if you will, the shovels to the coal miners, or I mean, sorry, to the gold miners, as opposed to the gold prospectors themselves. One area that is looking incredibly promising are suppliers into electric vehicles. We heard what President Biden said yesterday about driving the growth of EVs in the U.S., both on cars as well as on trucks. And there are a number of players. One in particular is a company called Meritor, which supplies EV chassis um, to the trucks as well as to automobiles. These are companies that are selling at low double-digit multiples with secular growth as well as cyclical growth ahead of them. All right. EV is a big trend there. Nancy Pryall, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. When we come back on the show, your morning's big money movers, including why investors are not showing an appetite for Beyond Meat. Plus, Robinhood investors going on a very wild ride this week as the company now finds itself the focus of the retail trading crowd. And Levi's looking beyond denim as it makes an acquisition to break into the activewear market. We've got a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this commercial break. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. 
Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers Four stock stories of the morning. First up, Beyond Meat. Those shares are falling as the maker of plant-based meat alternatives reported a wider second quarter loss than expected, even as sales jumped on higher demand from restaurants. The company is, though, forecasting lower than expected third quarter revenues, citing uncertainty about the COVID Delta variant. You can see there those shares off four and a half percent in the extended trade. Up next, Virgin Galactic. That stock is higher after the company says it's reopening sales of seats on its space flights to the public again. Those tickets will start at a whopping $450,000 per seat, although it's still offering multi-seat and full-flight buyout deals. Virgin says its next space flight, the Unity 23, is slated for late September in a partnership with the Italian Air Force. Those shares up 4% pre-market. Stock number three, Dropbox. The cloud storage provider reporting second quarter results that topped forecasts. The company posting a 12% jump in annual recurring revenues and now has more than 16 million paying users. That's up from just under 15 million a year ago. Those shares up about 3% pre-market. And finally, Carvana. Shares are rallying after the online retailer of used cars reported its first quarterly profit and sales well above analyst forecasts. The company says it continues to see exceptional exceptional demand for used vehicles. Those shares up 9% pre-market. Well, still on deck for the show, a major shakeup in the world of soccer as one of these sports' biggest stars exits the only club he's ever played for. Initials LM, you know who I'm talking about. And call it finger-licking living as KFC enters the hotel business. Yes, the hotel business. Your morning's top trending stories are coming up next. Today's big number, $512 billion. That's how much money flowed into ETFs during the first seven months of the year, according to Morningstar, a new record. That's already more than the total inflows in all of 2020. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older. Like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. 
Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Let's check out on this morning's other top headlines. NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York with the latest. Good Friday morning, Francis. Hey, Dom. Happy Friday to you. Yeah, we start this morning with President Biden, who has signed a bill that will award four congressional gold medals to law enforcement officers who responded to the January 6th Capitol riot. The law will place the medals in four locations, Capitol Police Headquarters, the Metropolitan Police Department, the U.S. Capitol, and the Smithsonian Institution to thank officers for their service and heroism. The medal is the highest honor Congress can bestow. Today, Governor Phil Murphy is expected to announce that New Jersey public school students in grades K through 12 will have to wear masks at the start of this school year. That's due to the state's rising COVID numbers. As recently as last week, Murphy said there were no plans for a statewide school mask requirement, but that it could change if COVID numbers rise. And the gun that killed Wild West outlaw Billy the Kid in 1881 is going up for auction this month. Bonham says the Colt single-action revolver is expected to fetch, guess how much? $2 million and $3 million for that gun, Dom. Apparently a whole bunch of other items that are related to the Wild West and Billy the Kid at this auction uh, at the end of the month. So that's something you're into, man, and you got, you got the bills for it. It's yours for the taking. I would just say that it doesn't surprise me at all because there are a lot of rich folks out there who have a lot of hobbies and a lot of interests. So having that piece of history is maybe not all that surprising. No, they need those bragging rights. Yeah, the bragging (laughs) rights will be worth it for them, I'm sure. You can afford it. If you can afford it, why not go and do it? Anyway, Francis Rivera, thank you very much. Have a nice weekend. You too. Let's get to this morning's top trending stories, including a big Barcelona, a Barca exit, a not-so-hot real estate deal, and 11 herbs and spices for 11 (laughs) nights. Bertha Coombs is here with more on those trending stories. Bertha. Yeah, Dom, Barca is going to look a whole lot different next year. Lionel Messi will not be returning to FC Barcelona this year after, quote, financial and structural problems prevented any agreement on a new contract. Messi admitted that he had been wanting to leave the club since last year. The footballer's previous contract reportedly was totaled about 672 million bucks for four years, making him the highest paid athlete in sports history. Meantime, if he has the bucks, well, he can probably find a new home in the Hamptons. Hamptons real estate getting a little less hot. In a new report from Douglas Ellum in July, signed contracts for Hamptons homes were down 60% year over year. That is the second time since May of 2020 that signed contract volume has gone negative for the Hamptons. By comparison, though, newly signed contracts for condos in Manhattan surged 165% compared to last year. Manhattan ain't dead yet. And if you feel like flying the coop for a unique stay in London, KFC might have the hotel for you. That's right, KFC. The fried chicken chain is teaming up with House of Harlan to create a pop-up hotel for just 11 nights. Fans can book a one-night stay in rooms equipped with a press for chicken button drumstick wallpaper and up to $139 worth of free chicken and hopefully some Tums to go with that. 100% of proceeds will go to the KFC Foundation. And a quick check on the top trending stocks right now on CNBC.com. The 10-year note, uh, Treasury uh, and Maersk was one of them. That is the shipping uh, container company which reported a record quarter. And Robinhood, Right up there, an AMC, the other meme stop, 
right behind it. Don? Maybe no surprise there. I would like to go back to the story about KFC because I do have an affinity for food. (laughs) I guess my question is, yes, you pay for the hotel, you get a lot of free chicken there, but... Would you stay there? I would do it. I, I actually I, I feel a little bit of sorrow for missing out on some of these pop-up type hotels. I know that Taco Bell had one a little while back here in the United States. Would you stay there, Bertha? Yeah. No. I think about the only sort of theme hotel I would stay would be the TWA one with all the vintage TWA stuff. <laughs> that, to me, is very cool. The 11 um, herbs I, and I spices. Love the wouldn't... architecture. No, no, I try to stay away from the herbs and spices are great, but the package, the, you know, cholesterol delivery device that it comes with is not so good for me. Oh, Bertha, that's the reason why you are much healthier than I am. (laughs) Bertha Coombs, thank you very much for those top trending stories. We'll see you later on. Well, it's going to be a huge weekend in Nashville, Tennessee, because IndyCar racing is coming to town and literally taking to the streets. The Music City Grand Prix happens this weekend, and for the first time ever, the streets of Nashville will be filled with music and the roar of racing engines. And also, one of IndyCar's rising stars will hit the streets in a cool new color scheme designed by a fan in the Views Design Challenge. Pato Award sits second in the point standings, by the way, and has two wins and six top five finishes just so far this season. He spoke with our own Brian Sullivan to talk a little bit about what to expect from that big race in Nashville. We did the track walk just now, and it, and it looks like a very kind of like Long Beach mixed with Detroit kind of track. Uh, it has very long, fast straightaways. Uh, it's got very tight sections, and when I'm when I mean tight, it's like Detroit last sector tight, like very very narrow. One lane, one car, that's it. Um, it's going to be really cool, man. I mean, there looks like there's some some places to pass for sure. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how the racing is. Um, but we're ready, man. We're, we're ready to take on the challenge. It's going to be a challenge for, for all the drivers, for all the teams. And uh, we'll see who unloads the best. Well, Nashville is already one of the hottest real estate markets out there. And it's going to get even faster right now with the advent of the Grand Prix over there in Music City. You can see more of that interview on CNBC.com, by the way. And you can watch the Music City Grand Prix on the Peacock streaming network and NBC Sports, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday on Peacock and the race at 5.30 on Sunday on NBC Sports itself. So many of our sister networks carrying a lot of that big action. It should be a fun race to watch in Tennessee. Well, still ahead on the show, the White House looks to ramp up the number of kids vaccinated as schools prepare to welcome students back. A look at the new strategy to get that job done. And if you haven't already done so, please follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple or Spotify or other podcast apps. Worldwide Exchange in audio format. We'll be right back. Stocks looking to wrap up a solid week with the S&P and Nasdaq once again hitting new record highs. But futures are in a holding pattern this morning. This as investors gearing up for that very big, very key monthly jobs report out in just about three hours time. Wells Fargo's senior economist lays out what we can expect from that big report. And Manchin versus Powell. The Democratic senator's new criticisms for the central bank over its easy money policies. It's Friday. Jobs Day, August 6th, 2021. 
You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to the show and happy Friday. I am Dominic Chu in for Brian Sullivan this morning. And here's how your money and investments are looking, shaping up as we are halfway through the 5 a.m. Eastern time hour. Stock futures, as I mentioned, in a holding pattern, very much so. The Dow is implied pretty much flat. The S&P by the same kind of amount. And the Nasdaq is implied lower by a whopping 18 or 19 points at this point. All of them pretty much waiting in a holding pattern. By the way, though, all three indices did finish in the green yesterday with the S&P and Nasdaq closing at record highs. The S&P 500 is notching its 43rd record close of the year. The Nasdaq recording its 27th record close of the year. The Dow, meanwhile, is less than a half a percent away from its own record highs. So, yes, at or near record highs across the board here for the major U.S. indices. Turning now to the bond market, yes, in a holding pattern as well. Right now, the yield on the benchmark U.S. 10-year Treasury note is just a hair below 1.25 percent. The benchmark two-year Treasury note yield just about 0.21 percent or 21 basis points. Let's get some of your morning's top stories right now. Bertha Coombs is back with those. Bertha. Hey, good morning, Dom. J.P. Morgan has quietly rolled out a strategy to give some of its clients access to cryptos. Sources tell CNBC that as of yesterday, financial advisors were allowed to begin placing private banking clients into a new Bitcoin fund created with crypto firm Nidig. The fund is nearly identical to one that Nidig offers the clients at rival bank Morgan Stanley. The move comes after J.P. Morgan late last month offered access to several funds from Grayscale Investments, Osprey Funds. JPM CEO Jamie Dimon, of course, has been one of Wall Street's most outspoken skeptics of Bitcoin and other digital assets, but I guess you've got to give your clients what they want. The White House has announced new efforts to boost the number of COVID vaccinations among kids 12 and older. Under the plan, the medical providers will be urged to ask students about their vaccination status during sports physicals. The administration will also provide schools and colleges with resources to hold pop-up vaccine clinics. Many of them have already been doing this. As of last week, though, only 30 percent of 12 to 17-year-olds were fully vaccinated with just weeks until tens of millions of students head back to school. And Senator Joe Manchin is urging Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell to scale back the central bank's economic stimulus efforts. In a letter to Powell, the Democrat from West Virginia said that he is increasingly alarmed that the Fed continues to buy $120 billion in U.S. government debt and mortgage-backed securities each month, and that it may lead to the economy overheating as well as inflation. Manchin's letter marks the first example of a congressional Democrat urging the Fed to alter its easy money policies. Don? All right, Bertha Coombs, thank you very much for those. Now, amid questions about policies instituted amid the virus pandemic, a number of states that braced for deep budget cuts over fears of declining tax revenues are finding quite the opposite. They're not now only cutting taxes, but also increasing spending as well. Ilan Moy joins us now with more on what's behind that shift, those moves. Ilan. Well, Dom, we've talked so much about the stimulus checks and the monthly child tax credit payments. 
All of that money is coming from Uncle Sam, though. What gets less attention is what's happening at the state level. More than 20 states have cut taxes this year, some through stimulus checks of their own. Others expanded tax credits. There are reductions in corporate property and sales taxes. And 11 states across the country have lowered their income tax rates. That's the most states cutting income taxes at one time in at least two decades, according to the Tax Foundation. Now, most of those states are led by Republican governors. Nebraska. Alaska, Arizona, Idaho enacted its biggest tax cut ever, but also on the list is Wisconsin. Just last month, Democratic Governor Tony Evers approved the state's budget, including a roughly $2 billion tax cut championed by the state's GOP lawmakers. So this is a very different place than most states thought that they would be in when the pandemic started. 38 states reported that tax revenues exceeded their forecast for this year. And spending, that's on track to grow by 3% as well. So the outlook is rosier, but the caveat is that the numbers are still below what states had forecasted before the pandemic. So there's a lot of ground to make up. But, Tom, we are seeing lawmakers in Washington and across the country focus on trying to keep cash in the hands of their constituents. Back over to you. I mean, it's such a big deal there because of the expectations. They were so low, of course and some of that. Uh, Ilan, while we have you here, uh, if I could just pivot for for a little bit. We saw some action or or maybe rather a lack thereof late yesterday on that big infrastructure bill and the push. Can you bring us up to speed on what the latest is there? What's the current state of play with that nearly one trillion dollar infrastructure proposal? Yeah, so Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is now planning to hold the next key procedural vote that would cut off debate on this infrastructure bill on Saturday. We would expect that we would see final passage of the bill in the Senate sometime shortly after that. There have been a couple of surprising 11th hour hangups around this bill, including a fight over new rules for tax reporting for players in the cryptocurrency industry, as well as the cost of the bill. Some Republicans are now complaining because it's not entirely paid for, according to estimates from the CBO. But this is expected to get bipartisan support um, over the weekend and see final passage in the Senate. After that, the Senate is still going to have to turn, though, to that $3.5 trillion spending package that Democrats hope to pass all on their own. We expect to see that work begin as soon as they pass the infrastructure bill. All right. Nalan Moy live in Washington, D.C. with the latest there. Thank you very much. The markets will be laser focused on the jobs report out later on this morning. Despite an increase in COVID cases and a shortage of available workers, the U.S. economy may have enjoyed a burst of job growth in the month of July. The consensus forecast is for an increase of 845,000 jobs in terms of non-farm payrolls. That's down just slightly from the 850,000 jobs that we added in June. Unemployment is expected to tick lower to 5.7% from a previous 5.9%. Let's talk more about the employment picture in America with Sarah House. She's the senior economist over at Wells Fargo. Sarah I mean, the consensus estimates are are for pretty big moves here, 845,000. Can you take us through what your expectations are for this particular number? Sure. So we're pretty close to consensus, expecting a gain of 865,000. And part of that reflects that we continue to see such strong demand for workers. So job openings are still sitting at record highs. But where we are also going to get a boost this month is going to come from the government sector. So we have some favorable seasonal effects as because we didn't have as many education workers on the payrolls, we're not going to get as many layoffs. And related to your previous story is that the state and local government 
government budget situations are surprisingly good. And there's a lot of runway there in terms of the potential for more hiring. So we've seen government sector employment only 35% of the way back from its COVID lows. And that compares to about 70% uh, in terms of total payrolls. So there's a, a lot of uh, boost we're looking for, particularly in that government sector today. So, so Sarah, I mean, let's, let's go through a little bit of the mechanics behind some of these estimates, because as I mentioned earlier in this hour, they run the, 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 the gamut. I, I, I was surprised at just how wide ranging the estimates are. We're, we're down to the 300,000 plus uh, figure on the low end of the range. Some economists are expecting upwards of 1.2 to 1.3 million jobs created. The middle is 845. You're close to the middle. What exactly is driving that wide variance in those estimates from economists all over Wall Street? I think the big question comes down to what is happening with the labor supply. So as I mentioned, job demand, er, demand for workers is still very strong right now, but it's not clear how quickly those workers are, are coming back. And that's creating a limit on how much companies are able to hire. So we think we'll see some improvement in the labor supply. And part as you've seen, some states ended those extra unemployment benefits, which might push some workers back into the labor force. But even more broadly than that, the increase in wages we've seen over the past few months is a is a real pull factor for other workers who were maybe uh, on the sidelines and but thinking about coming back where the payoff is is now better. So we think we're going to see the labor supply help. And so I think that's boosting boosting our number. But um, there's still a lot of questions over just how quickly those come back. There's a lot of cross currents as we've seen health concerns reemerge with Delta child care issues remain as well. And so I think that's really behind the dispersion rate. Now. So, Sarah, I mean, OK, po politics and policy aside, there is a big debate right now among many out there about whether or not enhanced unemployment benefits and the availability or lack thereof in the coming months are a factor in whether or not people are, are, are out there working right now. You mentioned the record high number of, of job openings out there from the Jolt survey. From an economist's perspective, as you look out towards the next few months, September is when those unemployment benefits enhanced wise are supposed to expire. Do we have to wait until October, November, December to see whether or not there is actual empirical evidence about whether or not enhanced unemployment actually had a driving factor force behind the employment picture over the course of the COVID pandemic? So I think we're starting to see some some evidence come in now with those states that have ended, but it's hard to fully separate from other things going on right now. So for example, home-based data has showed that in July, you actually saw a bigger, you saw a decline in employment in states that ended the extra unemployment benefits where employment picked up in states that continued them. But it's hard to disentangle, okay, how much of that is the fact that states that continue them tend to have a little more catch-up to do as well as the fact that you've also seen Delta emerge and take off earlier in some of the states that have ended those benefits. And so there's cross currents between those benefits, health concerns uh, as well. So it's, it's going to be hard to disentangle that. I think we will get a better read over the next couple months, but it might not, might not be in September, which is where I think a lot of policymakers, markets are, are looking for. I don't think we'll have quite as much clarity as, as some people expect by then. All right. Another big data point for sure. Sarah House of Wells Fargo, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Coming up on the show, a whipsaw second week for Robinhood as it becomes the new focus for the retail investor. Susquehanna's Chris Murphy dives into what could be next for one of the year's most watched companies. But first, as we head out to break, some of your other top stories. 
Apple has announced it will begin reporting images of child exploitation uploaded to its iCloud service in the U.S. to law enforcement officials. The move by Apple brings it in line with other cloud providers which already scan user files for those types of images. ExxonMobil is reportedly considering a pledge to reduce its net carbon emissions to zero by the year 2050. According to the Wall Street Journal, the potential move comes as CEO Darren Woods faces pressure from investors to take a more active role in reducing emissions. And Levi Strauss is buying apparel brand Beyond Yoga. Levi's did not disclose the size of the all-cash deal, which helps it move into the activewear sector. Those shares for Levi Strauss up about 1% in the pre-market trade. Worldwide Exchange is back right after this. All right, welcome back. A wild second week for shares of Robinhood retreating yesterday after that monster rally just days before. This after the company revealed existing shareholders will sell nearly 98 million shares of stock over time. Robinhood also rolling out options for its stock on Wednesday, helping to fuel that share spike. It was also the second most actively traded stock that day and may just be getting started thanks to the retail crowd interest in Robinhood and its shares. Let's get more on this story with Chris Murphy, the co-head of derivative strategy over at Susquehanna. Chris, I mean, I I kind of knew intuitively that things were going to go a little crazy. Options markets tend to do that. But we're not talking about a massive amount of options volume. Is it the options volume driving the volatility or is the stock volatility causing some of that action in options? Hey, good morning. Yeah, that's a great question. So we're of the opinion that just like you said, um, sure, a lot of options are trading, but the volume is nowhere near the volume that we're seeing the stock in the stock. And uh, furthermore, what you're seeing in the options is uh, you know, we see that lot of volume during the day. But at the end of the day, at the next day, we're not seeing much nearly as much of a change in open interest. So that's telling us that a lot of these calls and puts are being traded back and forth over the course of the day, uh, which makes me think the actual impact on the stock is limited. It's more of a psychological impact. So, so we've, we've seen some, some more, uh, I guess, developments come out with regard to this very fledgling options market for Robinhood, obviously because it's not been a public company for that long. But, but from an options strategist standpoint, if, if you take a look at the very recent activity, is there anything that you can glean about what folks are predicting for the future direction of the stock? We've seen exchanges add more strike or exercise prices extremely high above the market right now. And we've seen a lot more people taking put option positions or bets short or against the company. Which What gives? Which way is this supposed to go? Well, just if we start with those far out of the money call strikes that are being listed, um, you know, when investors are trading those those calls, they're not necessarily expecting the stock to get all the way up to that uh, price. But what we're seeing in uh, the meme stocks like Robinhood is a different dynamic than we see in a traditional stock where when the stock rallies, volatility also increases. So if you're if you buy one of those far out of the money calls, you might not expect Robinhood to get up to you know, two hundred dollars or whatever that strike is. But if Robinhood does have an up 10, 20 percent day and volatility spikes, then those calls are going to increase in value and you're going to be able to sell them for a lot more than you bought them for. Uh, and then in terms of the, the puts on the downside, um, you know, everyone's, you know, no one knows exactly where this is going to go. We've seen this play out in GME and AMC before. So, you know, 
that's what makes the markets and everyone's kind of having a different opinion and we got people buying puts which you also have to be careful because there's different reasons uh to worry about just buying puts um but we're seeing you know everyone has a different opinion on this one so so uh, can can you take us through a little bit about uh, the the notion right now that we are seeing some of these kind of out of the money or or or, or call options with with exercise prices that are extremely above the market right now it almost feels as though those are gambles, right? Those are speculative wagers. Do you feel as though with the addition of, of closely expiring or weekly put options or call options that are very out of the money, do, do you feel as though it feels more of a gambling mentality? And does that then suck in retail traders and investors to be more speculative than, than perhaps just traditional hedgers out there? Well, you know, like I said, the dynamic with these meme stocks is different. You're, you know, when you see us no, the way that they are trading, when the stock rallies 10, 20 percent and the volatility increases as well, um, you know, you're going to get uh, extra bang for your buck on those upside calls. So, you know, whether it's, you know, speculative or, or gambling or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, because that dynamic has changed, there is, uh, you know, there's an extra kicker to those upside calls because of how much volatility is moving. And that's really why you're seeing those trade more, um, you know, not necessarily, you know, a gamble that the stock's going to go up $50. You're actually just positioning for the stock to rally and volatility to increase at the same time, not necessarily expecting the stock to actually go all the way through that strike. You're looking to sell that call before that happens. All right. Chris Murphy over at Susquehanna with all that wild volatility in Robinhood shares. Thank you very much for your thoughts. We appreciate it. On deck for the show, stocks in a holding pattern. You can call it that as investors await that big monthly non-farm payrolls report. We will dive into what to expect in this final trading day of the week. And if you have not already done so, please follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple or Spotify or your podcast app of choice. Worldwide Exchange in audio format. We will be right back. All right, it is 5.51 Eastern time. That's the time zone that Washington, D.C. is in, and that's the live shot of our U.S. Capitol building right now where lawmakers are still trying to figure out that big nearly $1 trillion infrastructure bill and what happens next. Well, futures right now are just about flat on the session right now as investors await the release of that key jobs report out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. For more now on the trading day ahead, let's bring in David Katz, Matrix Asset Advisors, Chief Investment Officer. David, always a pleasure to have you here. Let's talk about whether or not this is still an investable market at record highs or do you have to wait for pullbacks? Well, we definitely think it's an investable market, but what you have to do is look at the uh, actual stocks rather than the overall market. It was a very strong earnings season, actually the strongest on record with about 85% beats, and the beats were pretty significant, 10 and 20 cents per share rather than the one or two pennies. Having said that, there's still a lot of stocks that did well, but the stocks sold off significantly sell 10 to 20% below their highs. And if they're selling at 15 to 18 times earnings, have good prospects. We think that's where you want to place your money rather than chasing the things that have been really hot. All right, so then let's let's go through this, because I know that you have a lot of those kinds of stocks, those setups on your radar. What exactly are the types of companies that you are looking at for those pullbacks that you would commit new capital to? 
Well, it's really in a lot of different industries, but in the last few days, there have been a number of healthcare companies that had good numbers, good outlooks, but not good enough for the market, and they sold off. So Beckton Dickinson is a real quality company. We think that they do well over the next 18 months, but the stock sold off about $10 yesterday. There was a downgrade this morning, so it might be weak on the open. CVS had a really good number up their guidance, but the stock is off $3. It sells at about 10 times earnings. We think if you have a 6 to 12-month time frame, this is a really good place to put money. So you have that on the healthcare side. Uh, Fiserv on the technology side is sort of an overlooked tech play. Uh, with the deal earlier in this week by Square, Fiserv all of a sudden sold off about 5 or $6. We think that's a really good entry point. Very shareholder-oriented management, buying a lot of stock back under 20 times earnings for a fairly dynamic company. And we think that's really the key is find really good businesses, but don't pay too much for them. All right. So uh, earlier in the hour, we, we, we talked to Nancy Pryle over at Essex about uh, this notion that a lot of portfolio managers are looking for this growth at a reasonable price or GARP trade. You, you mentioned some of those names. Are, are there other places in particular? I, I think to myself, are there still places like, say, in energy, even even after the big run? Are there still places in technology or comm services, even after we've seen runs like that, that still have that kind of growth profile, but still trade at reasonable valuations? Well, some uh, places have had these uh, significant pullbacks, even in the hottest sector. So on the energy side, we still like Schlumberger and we like Chevron. We think they're poised for another leg up. But longer term, we do have some concerns about energy. You saw the president and electric vehicles yesterday. We think there definitely is going to be a trend which is going to slow down demand. So we think of energy more as a trade, but we do think uh, if you get another 10 to 25% on the upside, then we'd be selling that. In terms of technology, Qualcomm had a robust quarter, but it's off a few dollars in the last week. We think you can step in there. Uh, so, you know, utilities, we think, are, are pretty attractive here. And the financials, which were robust for the first six months of the year, pulled back over the last month and a half. We think that's a great new entry point. A company like M&T Bank, Truist Financial, uh, very well positioned. And, and again, uh, finan- um, sorry, healthcare companies uh, like an Amgen, also pretty attractive in a Merck. One of those uh, characteristics that defines some of those companies and industries that you just spoke about is this notion that they either provide decent dividend yields for investors right now, they're income type producing investments, or, or they're engaged in stock buybacks or will be in the future. If you're an income-oriented investor, are there still places that you want to go look for that, that might provide you the safety of some uh, less price volatility yet still pay you some of those decent-sized dividends with yields right now for the 10-year, basically at one and a quarter percent? Wonderful question. Great point. We think that is probably the best area of the market. The dividend payers have done probably the worst over the last 12 months, and we think therein lies an opportunity. There are a lot of good, slow and steady companies. Uh, that we think you're getting a three and a half to four percent yield, where, as you said, you're getting one point two on a 10 year bond. We think it's a great opportunity that the next place the market's going to do well. Companies like Verizon, Kimberly Clark, really good, slow and steady. Con Ed, we think also very safe and growing dividend. So that's really a place that we think you can put some of your income oriented money and get appreciation over time. All right. David Katz over at Matrix Asset Advisors on this big jobs day. Thank you very much for those stocks. We appreciate Thanks a lot. it. All right, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Right now, the markets are in a holding pattern, as we've mentioned. The Dow is implied just about maybe a couple points higher at this point. The Nasdaq down by about 16 points. Remember, estimates for the jobs number, 845,000 is the consensus. Unemployment ticks slightly lower to 5.7% from 5.9%. Squawk Box will have all that coverage coming up next. Have a nice weekend. 
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.